Welcome back. We are going to spend several sessions regarding accessing what is within. Let's get started first with beholding. The title of this podcast is Express What You Behold. You may have heard the expression, you become what you behold. We are taking a slightly different tact on this expression. The first blog, it's an inside job, and scriptures show us that everything about love and life starts within. From within, the expression of our life flows. How we respond, approach, and perceive things comes from within. Even what we know to be true comes from within. God designs us for truth, and we inherently want to accept truth and disregard what is determined as untrue. Truth is, however, established within by our interpretation of what we are beholding. When we behold a thing, we may be asking, knowingly or unknowingly, if it is truth or not. Truth in this earthly or physical realm is not always true. It may be only a partial or half-truth. If what we behold is subject to our interpretation of truth, then what is our basis for truth? Many things we call truth are established by systems created by humanity, such as family, culture, religion, society, government, entertainment, and education. These systems have every potential to carry distortion from the real truth. Truth may be slightly twisted to meet our needs, and we choose to believe it because it benefits us. Then this distorted truth is taught to others, and eventually, the cultural belief of what is truth shifts to a distorted version. It becomes obvious that the distortions of truth easily integrates into societies and cultures. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, in the complete Jewish Bible version, says... I'm directing you on the way of wisdom, guiding you in paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step won't be hindered, and if you run, you won't stumble. If we rely on what humanity has taught us, we may stumble towards an inaccurate or incomplete judgment. Judgment based on distortion creates harmful division and more distortion. For example, a friend may describe a situation that happened. The friend frames their description by how they perceived it. Now the listener may base their viewpoint on that description. The description carries bias and is no longer just facts. The seed of the bias influences the listener because the listener trusts the friend. Trust is a gateway for what we believe. What do you trust and whom do you trust? Trust in our friend may cause us to take this bias as truth and respond from that bias towards anyone or anything involved in the described situation. We understand how twists in the truth and partial truths create inaccurate judgment and unnecessary division. When you ask someone if they know what truth means, most seem to know, but may stumble on its definition. When we look up the definition of truth, we find various options. Some definitions of truth are the body of real things, events, and facts, or sincerity in action, character, and utterance. One definition states that truth is a fact or principle believed to be true by most people. 
These definitions are earthly truths, and most are changeable. Let's go a little deeper on how truth is formed. According to Neville Goddard's book, Feeling is the Secret, our consciousness decides what is true and attaches emotion to it. The subconscious receives the information and emotions from the conscious. The subconscious does not analyze for truth, but accepts it as truth. How our consciousness perceives and analyzes things proves to be critical. Our conscious mind has perception filters from various sources, such as personal relationships, experiences, and family. The conscious mind will judge for truth through those filters. The filters affect how something is perceived and what emotions are attached to what has been judged. The attached emotion defines what is truth to our subconscious. It's no wonder Proverbs 4.23 says to guard our heart, including our emotions, for from it flow the issues of life. The complete Jewish Bible in Proverbs 4.23 says, Above everything else, guard your heart, for it is the source of life's consequences. The Passions Version says, Also above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Out of your innermost being flows the wellspring of life. Now that the subconscious has a distorted truth from the conscious mind, the automatic response to a situation or circumstance is based on the distorted truth. The same distortion comes through when we communicate with others. The analysis of the truth by the conscious affects what flows out of us. Here's another example. Someone may offer help to another, but we may perceive the help as an intrusion or humiliating. We may behold someone's help as a threat in one way or another. Then our response or expression to the help mirrors our stored, distorted truth. With repetitions of this response, we trust that we see our response as based on truth. Distorted truth becomes our personal truth. We see everything through that distorted truth framework. Analyzing or judging someone or a situation for truth through distorted filters ultimately frames our automatic response for future situations. Beholding something by judging for truth twists or distorts how we behold it. The importance of beholding without judgment is imperative to learn the truth. There is one definition in Merriam-Webster Dictionary to bring up, and it is, truth is the fidelity to an original or standard. This definition compares very closely to unwavering truth. But what makes something purely and permanently true, and why does it matter what is unchangeable truth or not? We are designed for truth, unchangeable truth, by our Creator, Father God. The very foundation of our life includes unwavering truth. It is our nature to look for and live from the truth, whether we understand this or not. Unchangeable truth serves as an anchor for our lives. 
Abba sent his son because of divine love. And because of divine love, Yeshua was the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Yeshua as the truth elevates our perception to the eternal truths, not earthbound truths. Yeshua set the example of living from the truth, that heavenly, immovable truth. Jesus beheld his heavenly Father so that he would live from love, and truth flows from love. This explains why the two greatest commandments are centered around love and not truth. Love automatically brings forth truth. If we live from divine love, we live from his truth. Yeshua's life is our guide, so how did Yeshua behold anything and everything without distortion? One scripture that stands out as a key is John 5:19. The NSAB version says, Therefore Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it was something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. These were Yeshua's words. He confidently knew that he lived as the full expression of Father God on earth. He fully loved Father God, John 14.31, and lived from that divine love. By the way, there is no mention in Scripture that Jesus stopped what he was doing to see what the Father was doing, to see what the Father was saying. Yeshua just responded seemingly on the fly. Scriptures mention Jesus going off by himself to pray. Maybe in that time with Father, Yeshua received all he needed for the day. He knew what would happen that day and what Father was saying and doing about it all. That's a possibility. But what if Yeshua lived so close to Father God that there was constant fluid interaction between the two? In John chapters 14 and 17, they reveal that Yeshua lived in complete oneness with his Father. The life of Yeshua completely expressed what he was beholding. He beheld his Father constantly. His Father was Yeshua's truth, and as such, Yeshua was Father's truth. He fully expressed his Father because he beheld his Father. King David, another example for us, sought with all his heart to behold God. He beheld this way because Father God was King David's greatest delight and resource. This sounds so much like Yeshua's desire. In Psalm 27.4, the NSIB version, it says, One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. David sought that privilege of face to face with God, filled with awe and delighting in his glory and grace. He sought the Lord with his whole heart. 1 Kings 11.4 in NASB says, For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away to follow other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of his father David had been. 
Matthew 5.8 in NASB says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Look to the divine with an open heart and pure motivation. When we open up to them, we accept what they are revealing as unchangeable truth. We behold them from within. That means what we behold within is part of us already. In receiving it as truth, we will express what we behold. We need to realize the truth of what is within and let the expression flow out. As we behold the divine, we are changed. Beholding changes us because we accept the truth through trust. We internalize the truth from our intentions and desires and emotions. Our consciousness conveys this information to our subconscious to establish a brand new response pattern. To behold is to look to the divine intentionally, like King David. We can allow the divine to reveal something to us. We can also turn to the divine with a particular thought in mind. One important thing is to behold willingly and lovingly, full of anticipation in gratitude. Jesus said to come to him as a little child, otherwise we would miss the unfathomable riches in Christ in us. Luke 18, 16-17 in the Passion says, But Jesus called for the parents, the children, and his disciples to come and listen to him. Then he told them, Never hinder a child from coming to me. Let them all come. For God's kingdom realm belongs to them as much as it does anyone else. They demonstrate to you what faith is all about. Learn this well. Unless you receive the revelation of the kingdom realm the same way a little child receives it, you will never be able to enter in. Jesus told the world to become like a child, humble, open to receive, teachable and with an enormous capacity to see the wonder of life. A child like this can fully love him with a pure heart and emotions. Along the way, we may have lost that wonder and openness. So how can we return to childlike wonder? As a child, everything is new and full of wonder. A child knows no limits on love. It is the same with Abba, his love and his kingdom. Jesus did what he saw his father doing, and there was always a new component each time. Father sets things up, not for us to respond with a formula, but to look with wonder for all his possibilities. Father wants to reveal something we have yet to see. Wonder flourishes in this anticipation. Anticipation with love and wonder in a childlike heart frames your position to fully receive. To follow Yeshua's example, we should continually look to or behold Father God. We look to Him for needs and wants. We look to Him to express more of His character and nature. We look to Him to help others. We look to Him for all things and all the time. As we behold him, the expression of him comes naturally. Consistency with beholding fully sets his truth in us. 
when we behold him for a particular need, like a prayer request, we seek him to reveal what he is doing and saying about it. We let our biases go. We set our motivation from pure, unconditional love. We behold with no expectations of what the answer looks like. We let him reveal to our pure, childlike heart, full of gratitude and wonder. When we receive what he reveals, we use that as our answer or guiding truth, without adding to or taking away from it. My personal favorite to behold Father God is to behold him just because I love him. I bring no requests, questions, or desires other than to be completely in his divine embrace. This is where the unfolding into his character and nature is accelerated. Consequently, when things happen, we automatically respond from him. I can't think of a better way to live. Father God truly wants us to behold the divine, to express the divine. Express what we behold. Let me leave you with some thoughts to bring beholding into your life. Use these as you go through your day and set quiet times with the divine. I recommend quiet times as you wake up and when you are just about to fall asleep. This schedule frames your day and your sleep. The first one is behold yourself as you normally see yourself. Set aside limits and judgments. Accept the fact that the divine unfathomably loves you. Turn to beholding the divine loving you. You are in their embrace. You are in their divine dance. You are fully accepted as part of their family. Stay with this beholding for at least a week, preferably two. You may continue to come back to this one. The second one is Behold Yeshua, Abba or Ruach, to learn and see more about them only because you love them. This may take some patience, but keep your intention toward beholding them with no agenda. This is the most life-changing position. I encourage you to incorporate this beholding as a routine engagement with them. Well, thanks for listening, and we look forward to next time with you. God bless.